listening to Jam Squared. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, Jam Squared. We're back, LT, happy, back in the building. Come on, all the H's, holy, smiling, holy. Come on, come on, come on. We love it, we love it, we love it, we love it, we love it for sure. For real, how are you guys doing? Blessed, blessed, yeah. highly favored and flavored, man. Yeah, you know, You're good. Praise God, praise God. I'm happy to see that all men's are good. You know, you have to be good. For you real. have to, man. Man, I want to see us bad, but we have to be good. No, they cannot. I'm living my best life. I'm living, living my the best, best life. life. <laughs> Ain't going back and forth with you. You have to bleep that out. Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about today, brothers? Hmm. So today we decided we're gonna introduce a really interesting. I love how every every conversation like this is really interesting. It's very really interesting. I love that. It is interesting, indeed. Of course. So we're gonna talk about something relevant in the modern church. Mm-hmm. A topic which creates divisions, to be honest, but um, is necessary to talk about. So it's uh, the issue of continuationism mm-hmm. versus or I guess against cessationism cessationism mm-hmm. okay so um, to kind of give a most really basic definition or even approach to the topic so those who claim to be uh, continuationist or those who believe that all the spiritual gifts um are still present in the church mm-hmm. that includes even the supernatural gift such as um gifts of healing gifts plural of healing because that's how learning mm-hmm. the greeks write it gift of working of miracles interpretation of tongues speaking in tongues and uh what else i'm sure there's yeah so the gift of faith the gift, gift of, of miracles faith, gift of miracles the I gift of there's um, tongue, diversity of tongues gift yeah. of interpretation of tongues gift of prophecy gift of yeah, prophecy was um, the other gift of one um discernment of spirits yeah and there are also yeah. other so nine of them nine of them were listed but there's more yeah there's the more. other gift that paul named like literally gift of help that nobody talks about mm, <laughs> which is interesting gift <laughs> gift of teaching no we're laughing but yeah, it's, it's funny and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it later it's 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 so funny yeah. but it really and, matters and because paul really as a gift and gift of administration gift yeah. of gift of administration is also a gift so mm. this is what you know continuation believe they believe that every single gift is still present in the church right. and there's a secessionist who believes overall like honestly i don't know all the secessionist position mm. overall they believe that some of the gifts of the spirit are not present anymore mm. but some others are such as gift of administration gift of help uh gift of help gift of mm. teachings some of this this gift are present in the church but a gift of let's say working on miracles gift of healings um uh, tongues, tongue speaking, interpretation mm. of tongues, prophecy, faith, and honestly, the debate kind of started um, around the rise of Pentecostalism. Mm. Because I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a historical background for those who don't know Pentecostalism. It's simply those who believes in this idea of a second baptism of the Holy Spirit as. Um, pertaining to the believer 
when they claim that if someone is saved, they don't have the Holy Spirit, who they, unless they speak in tongues, which is supposedly that evidence of having the Holy Spirit. And let me make it very clear. It is a false doctrine. I'm not even here to try to... <laughs> I, I can kind of clarify that though, honestly. Like, but I'll, I'll, I'll let Joyce say it, continue. Okay, to, to be clear, they teach not all Pentecostals. Some mm. some are smart enough to not teach that. Mm. But early Pentecostal believes that um, one evidence of not even one the evidence yeah. of having the Holy Spirit is when someone speaking tongues, mm. and. <laughs> Funny enough, if people do their historical research, early Pentecostal believe that the ability of speaking in tongues was a supernatural ability to speak in known languages that were just unknown to the speaker, as clearly described in Acts 2. So, so it's like someone who just wake up and start speaking Chinese. For instance, I never spoke Chinese in my life. Then you start wake up one day start Supernaturally, Chinese. that's what I do. And this is what Charles Parham, which holds the part of Pentecostalism, mm. And his disciple, they believed. Later on, fast <laughs> forward, because because they believed they had the gift. Someone called Agnes. Actually, this is how it started. Someone called Agnes Osman. I believe in the on January first, nineteen o one. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if it's nineteen o one, nineteen hundred. She claimed to have supernaturally spoke spoken Chinese, literally, and apparently she couldn't speak English for three days. And she even claimed <laughs> that because she went away spooky. No, no, spooky no, no, spooky. It's, no, no, it's spooky, but no, this is a real historical fact, bro. These are things you will not but hear. The first one was like, verified. Okay. No, 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 no. This, this is really type Ag- Ag- Agnes Osman. She literally believed yeah. that she she spoke Chinese, and the people around her supposedly confirmed. And apparently, on top of that, yeah. she was writing Chinese during that time. She was literally writing Chinese for those like. Three days. I don't know if she was literally doing it for three days, but they were writing recorded of her claiming that she was writing in Chinese. Literally. Bro. So I said Literally, bro, literally, people later, you don't even need to know Chinese. Her writing that she claimed to be Chinese weren't just literally nonsensical. So it was just her It was just like, literally like scribing anything on paper. It wasn't Chinese at all. So those people didn't even know what, how Chinese looks exactly, like. Exactly, but she claims she was writing Chinese. Literally, Mark, do your research. Type in Agnes Osman Ch- 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 Chinese there, writing. This is really a historical fact. So after... Give bro, me a how whole do you this stuff? No, literally, no, bro. Type in Agnes Osman Chinese writing. Type it. You, you'll see. You Agnes don't... Bro. Osman? Yeah. Chinese writing. Type it. 1901 or 19. It says she's a missionary. She was part of of, of the. I'm, I'm the literally looking at the same thing. That's why, like, it's Yo, like a whole... this is the first time you're hearing this, this time. bro. First time. This is why. This is why you need to know your, your your denominational history. A lot of Pentecostal, unfortunately, don't really know their history, but it really does matter. Hey, you see, you see the writing here. It's right there, you, bro. You don't need to know Chinese to know this is not Chinese. <laughs> I'm not sure about this one still. <laughs> it says that. Um, hold on, let me. Okay, I'm 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 looking at the drawing, but I'm trying to read at the same time. The drawing is a little. Bro, how is this Chinese? <laughs> little... Bro, she claimed she claimed she claimed that the Holy Spirit endowed her to write. Chinese looks like this is not Chinese. Bro, this is <laughs> these are her recorded writing 
when when she claimed to have received the gift of tongues uh, and she no. supernaturally spoke Chinese. So basically, the movement started no, on a lie. I'm taking a screenshot. I'm sending it to my buddy Wu. Ask him if this is Chinese. I'm gonna ask Wu. <laughs> you have to confirm. Yeah, I have to confirm. Confirm, confirm right, right now. I'm not Chinese, but because I'm not Chinese, I have to ask. You have to confirm. We yeah. need confirmation right now. Anyways, honestly, I feel like one day we need to have a conversation. On the actual history of Pentecostalism as a whole, but anyways, this is how it started. Anyways, if she was, to be honest, this is my own uh, assumption. If this is Chinese, if this to her is Chinese, she needs to be arrested. <laughs> no, but bro, we're girl. laughing, but this is really what she really claimed, ah. and the early Pentecostal believe what she was saying. It's only later to the history, this evidence, this these evidences came out, and people obviously knew. Her, her her claims were obviously fraudulent <laughs> because this is clearly not Chinese. So oh, even my young nephew knows this is not Chinese. <laughs> but this is this is really what she claimed to be writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving her the strength or the power to write in Chinese. Oh, to be honest. So now ah. she's not just supposedly speaking in tongues, she's now even supposedly writing in tongues, which is literally a practice that some word of faith preachers Story teaching, which I'm gonna talk about it later. But anyway, this is gonna be a whole other episode. Anyways, let's let, let let's go back on track. So, after the rise of Pentecostalism, um, which started with Charles Parham and his disciple, he went down to what's called the Azusa Street Revival with a man called William Seymour, who really took Charles Parham's teaching and made it a whole other type of thing. Which even Parham disagreed with him because he brought this whole tongue speaking movement to a whole other level. And then that's how Pentecostal started growing a lot. And especially around the 1960, the, sorry, the 1960s, that's where the movement really blew up. I think there are, third, there are three ways of Pentecostalism historically. There's the first ways, which is obviously with the Parhams and his disciple. And you hear the story of Agnes Osman. There's the second waves. I don't fully remember uh, all the key. Uh, tenet, all the key members of that second wave and there's the third waves which started around the 1960s with the charismatic church and the charismatic movement now this whole debate of cessationism versus continuationism started obviously around that same time because the matter of the fact is many people in the charismatic movement that claim that the gift continued what they don't know is to be honest they're not really continuationists they are restorationists because the fact is throughout church history most people believe that some spiritual gift did cease even most church fathers did believe that because the fact was there was no known apostles there were no known prophets but after the 1900s everyone started claiming this supernatural manifestation its movement started growing and even this whole apostle movement this whole modern apostle movement, it didn't start before the 2000 with a man called uh, C. Peter Wagner, who kind of brought up this idea of modern day apostles. But the fact is church history does teach and does show and does prove that the church after the first century never really held to this idea that they were apostle. If this is true, then I will ask you, who were the apostle in the 1500s? Who were the apostle in the 1300s? Who were the apostles even in the 1800s? Is there any name that comes to your head? No. Exactly. Because... I only think of political figures. Exactly. Because even throughout church history, most people believe that some of these offices, even Dietzies, and were uniquely reserved to the first century church. Now, 
this whole debate is really big now because obviously the charismatic movement is, is, is grown. The Pentecostal church grew a lot. So some people that hold to a more conservative doctrine, they hold to the view of certain cessation of certain gifts. So that's why, for instance, some people don't believe that anyone on this earth has gifts of healing. Because if you claim you have the gift of healing and you cannot supernaturally heal, then what, do you, what are you claiming? And healing is not, oh, you touch someone that have a headache and then they're supposed to feel better and then two days later, the headache, no, no, no. Go kill someone that have no legs, touch their legs and let, it, let their limb grow. That's the type of healing we're looking for. And if by that, you can prove that you have the gift, okay, we'll all believe you. So this whole debate kind of stirred up in the recent hundred years or so, but the fact remained most continuationists they don't know the history and the fact is they're restorationists they're not really continuationists so this whole debate is not even cessation versus continuation before we continue so Jason where are you are you a personally personally or? I would say I'm neither why do I say that yeah. because I'm open to the idea that there may be people that um, may be endowed with God's supernatural gift now some people will say this um Personally, I'm sorry, some, some, some people will say, well, nobody really has a gift. Or they will say some people have the gift, but it's only exercised according to God's sovereignty, which I agree with. I don't believe someone can really, you know, prophesy on command or this and that. Obviously, everything will be done according to God's will, which, by the way, destroy even the whole Pentecostal idea that everyone must speak in tongues as in even know the Holy Spirit, because the Bible clearly teaches that not all speaking tongues and it's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives as he chooses. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. 11 or 7. I believe it's 11. But anyways, so for me, this is as, I see it as this. God can endow someone to supernatural do an act in 2023 or in 2050 or in the 1800s. That's not the issue. The question is, <laughs> if you claim that you have a gift, such as the gift of healing. Let us see. Let us see. Because see, see this, this is this is the problem with modern day um, people that claim certain gifts. Yeah. They claim they have a certain gift, but the fact is, it does not in any way resemble what we see in scriptures. So if you, if I, I'll, I'll call myself a biblical continuationist. This, this is how I call myself. If you claim you have the gift of tongues, first your tongue has to be in actual human languages. Mm because that's clearly what's being described in Acts 2. And if you come up with a theology that allows more than that, then you're adding to the Bible. Because the fact is, what you're doing is called eisegesis. You're reciting it to the text that is not there. And this is just true. If you can have the gift of healing, then guess what? Just like Peter did, money, silver and gold, I'd have not. But what I have, I gave you in Jesus' name. Rise up and walk. This is the type of healing I want to see. If you claim you have the gift of prophecy, your prophecy cannot be fallible. It has to be 100% accurate every single time. To the detail. To, to the, the detail. Last... It cannot be some sort of generic prophecy that anybody can wake up from, from sleep and just make and claim, oh yeah, the Lord spoke to you. No, 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 no. You has to say, thus says the Lord and it will happen. And if it does not happen, by definition, it makes you a false prophet and there's no way around that. I've heard those pastors who have been, oh, the world will end but see, this time. See, see, modern day continuationists, most of them teach that you can have fallible prophecy and still be a true prophet. This is just false. There's absolutely zero evidence in the Bible of a true prophet of God that says, thus says the Lord and did not happen. It's not true. And what they try to do, they go to texts that have nothing to do with prophecy and they try to say, well, they were wrong here. It's not true. There's absolutely no scriptural evidence of a true prophet 
that order a prophetic word from God, which did not happen. And if you read Deuteronomy 18, God make it very clear that if a prophet says something this which does not come to pass, because obviously the people of Israel will ask, how shall we know if someone is a false prophet? Mm, yeah. God literally answered. I believe in Deuteronomy 18, 22. I don't know. I don't remember the exact verse. But he literally said, if, so, if a prophet obviously says something that they claim come from the Lord and does not come to pass, don't believe them. Then, Hillary said, no, no, Hillary said, that prophet shall die. Mm. In, in in Old Testament, yeah. false prophecy yeah, will subject you to death. Literally, this is how serious God took not putting His like name in vain. And by the way, when that comment, you know that comment, you shall not take God's name in vain. It has nothing to do necessarily with not saying O M G mm. or saying God's name just like that. Though obviously there can be some implication. God is holy. Obviously, we need to revere His name. But yeah. literally, it literally means do not take God's name into emptiness. So if you say, "Thus says the Lord." And your death says your death says the Lord does not come to pass. By definition, you're a false prophet. There's no way around that. Mm. Because you order you put words in God's mouth, he did not emphatically say. Just what you have said. By biblical I've standard. Canceled some, by, so many denominations already. By biblical no, no, it's true. Like where where it sounds harsh, mm. but by biblical standard, if you if you understand how God is holy and his word is holy, you don't take his name event, you don't take his word lightly. That's why I'm very careful. To not say God told me, God told me this, God told me that, God told me that. I rather use language such as I believe the God is leading me. I believe good Lord is pressing upon my heart. Because when you say God told me this, yeah. you're literally putting words in God's mouth. It is a dangerous thing. See, That's why yeah. Jesus really says, on the job judgment, many will say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not cast out demons? Have I not done this and that in your name? I'll tell him I never knew you. The fact is, putting words in God's mouth he did not utter is a blasphemous sin. People just don't see it like that. Mm. Because the reality is many people in the continuationist movement they normalize this idea of constantly putting words in god's mouth by saying god told me and sometimes some people do it out of ignorance and i understand that some people say oh yeah i believe god is telling me this god is telling me it's fine but if you actually understand scripture and how holy god's word is you don't play with 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 prophecy you don't play with you don't put words in god's mouth it's a dangerous thing to do because i know that you will give an account for those words you put in his mouth he did not tell you every idle word so and the fact sense. is for me for instance i'm not a sister i won't call myself a sessionist nor even a continuationist i'm a biblical in fact i'm i'm, I'm calling myself a, a, a biblical septic that's how i'm gonna call myself because i'm open to the idea guess what god can give you prophecy i believe that guess god god is holy god is perfect he's obviously immutable Mm. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he can do whatever he wants. The question is, if you claim God did something through you, yeah. I have to see a biblical resemblance to it. Otherwise, I'll just call you a liar and a fraud. You're in other business. <laughs> you're, you're, you're by definition a liar because guess what? You can't claim to be a continuationist and not continuing the same way the Bible teaches. Because the reality is, a lot of continuationists, they claim to be continuationists, but the fact is, first, they're not even continuationists, they're restorationists. Mm. Because church history does prove that many of their so-called gifts they claim did not appear in the church for at least 2,000 years. It's only now, in the past 150 years, with the rise of Pentecostalism, people are claiming those gifts. And the fact is, many practices, such as even modern tongue speaking, which, by the way, did appear even Pentecostalism, but wasn't a supernatural ability to speak in known human language. It was like this sort of ecstatic speech. Bro, Mormons did the same thing in the 1800s. There are many voodoo cults that do the same thing. Hindus do the same thing. There are other cults that do the same thing as you see in many charismatic churches. So it's like, first of all, you need, you need to be able to distinguish 
what's from the Holy Spirit and what's not. So for me, it's like, okay, that's fine. Anyone can be whatever they want. It's just if you claim to be a continuationist, continue the same way the Bible teaches. If you claim to have gift of healing, my friend, you need to be able to raise the dead. And your argument can be, well, that person, that person needs another faith. Well, how does the dead person has faith? Just raise them for the dead. It's that simple. Yeah, simple. When Jesus went to Lazarus, said, Lazarus, come out. And, and they'll say, well, guess what? Well, that, that's, that's not really the gift of healing. So uh, it's to heal human beings. If they're dead, that's not the gift of Oh, that's fine. You must have the gift of work, working on miracles working then. Miracles. Because the gift of working on miracles is differentiated from the gift of healing in the Bible. Paul really listed it as a different gift. Therefore, if you have the gift of working miracles, certainly raising someone from the dead is a miracle. So do it. But you will not really hear people claiming to be raised from the dead. And when you hear stories of people being raised from the dead, it's often a scam. Like that pastor, the South African pastor. So it's like, I'll just leave it there. You raise someone the dead, then one week later, the guy goes, now for real. (laughs) Exactly. See, you don't play with God. How do you bring up someone? You don't play with God. See, this this is the issue with error. When you normalize error so much, and you think you have something you do not have, those type of punishment can happen because you're literally you're putting you're basically putting God's name on something he's not like orche- uh, uh, orchestrating That's it. you're by definition giving a false image of God yeah. he's gonna punish you for it must be how do you play you raise someone from the dead which didn't happen and then that person dies one week later Mm-mm. you play with God you try to prove something that you don't have Usually I tell people like, hey, if it's not your calling, leave it alone. Just leave it. Leave it. Because you're just going to be end up in trouble, which you don't even, you can't even explain. Mm. And to be honest, I'll just put it as this. Most people that are secessionists, in my, in my honest experience, are far much more biblically sound, even when it comes to any other biblical topic that has nothing to do with spiritual gift, than most people that are continuationists. And I'm being 100% objective because the fact is, I've seen both worlds. I've seen the world of continuationist and cessationist. Most people that are more theologically sound, that care about doctrine, that care about truth, that care about God's word, that care about holiness, that care about sanctification, most of them are cessationist. And the fact is, I believe, scripturally, they're far much more correct than continuationist. Because, the op- don't get it twisted, there are some continuationists that are theologically sound in some other areas. In fact, there are some continuationists such as, um, what is his name? I believe some storms, green women, uh, I forgot the name, that even don't even believe in women pastors. But the fact is, you go to a lot of continuationist churches, the same church that believe in women pastors and some other doctrine, doctrinally erroneous practices. Mm. So it's like, I don't think there's a perfect um, position, but it actually, there may be. For me, there okay, may be, this but is my point. Yeah, go ahead. Forget even perfect position. I feel like there shouldn't even be a debate. There shouldn't this is be a matter of God. End of story. Exactly. If it, he wants to, like, let's say, he says, Jason, today you're gonna heal this person, he will do it. Exactly, let, let and that's it. true. But see, 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 this is the thing. Yeah, that's not an issue of the gift, then, because the question is, does God still grant certain gifts? The question is not, does God still does miracle? These are two different questions. And the fact is, most continuationists, they straw men cessationists by assuming that cessationists don't believe that God does miracles. That is utterly false. In fact, cessationists, they believe in the greatest miracle. Most cessationists are Calvinistic, which believe, which which is a theological system that teaches that God is sovereign for salvation. God draws the men to Christ to be saved. God initiates salvation. 
most continuationists are Armenian in the theology. They believe men start salvation, which is a false doctrine. It's blatantly false. John 6, 44 refutes that idea. God clearly says, no one can come to the Son unless, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So, most and salvation in of itself is a miracle. People don't view salvation as a miracle. You know the greatest miracle you can have? throughout ages is salvation mm. salvation in of itself is the greatest miracle ever because guess what a man is dead in his sin mm. unless he's being raised and be drawn by god himself to be saved he cannot be saved so yeah. you are you were born under god's wrath david said in equity i was i was born literally psalm 51 he, he was conceived in in iniquity in yeah so if you actually read scripture for me, I see it as this. If the question is, does God still great gift? It means there are some people who hold them. Because the Bible teaches that not all have gift of healings, not all are prophets, not all are apostles, not all have gift of working miracles, not all are teachers, not all are this, not all are that. The implication is, if you're going to go to those texts to claim, if you're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 to claim that those gifts still continue, my friend, the implication is some people have it and some people don't. And you need to consider the fact the Bible does say <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 13 that prophecies shall cease. Shall cease. Prophecies, there was Twitter gift. Prophecies, knowledge, and something else. Yeah. Prophecies, knowledge, and something. The Bible does say prophecies will cease. So the fact is. And I think tongues shall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally. The Bible says shall. tongues. Prophecies and knowledge will cease. The Bible literally says that. Where's the knowledge? Yeah. First Corinthians thirteen. So by now they should be done. By, but but see see this is the thing. The Bible says when the prophet comes, when? people have millions of interpretation to that text. Yeah. Some people believe it's Jesus. Some people believe it's the Bible. Some people believe it's a state of eternity. So which one is the right one? Exactly. There's mm. there's no way to know That's because it. the thing is there are different theological argument that seem to imply, like that that seem to imply that each position can be correct, but most people it's like. Even for me, I haven't studied that part in depth yet to even have a full conclusion as to what the perfect is. But the fact is, if indeed it is theologically correct that this gift have ceased, the Pentecostal and charismatic movement is by definition a, a counterfeit. Mm. And even if they're even if even if the gift did not cease. The fact that a lot of things they claim of being the work of the spirit or contrary to the Bible, it still makes it a counterfeit. Mm. And this is my problem. A lot of continuationists, they claim what they do is from the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, let me even give you a tongue-speaking example. The Bible clearly, emphatically, and undeniably teaches in church, if anyone speaks in a tongue, they should be two or three at the most. They should speak each in turn. And one must interpret. That's first first Corinthians 14, 27 to 28. This is a scriptural command. And really, I'll say it again. Paul said a couple of verses down. If anyone thinks he's a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I am writing are a commandment. Not, a, not optional practices. A commandment of the Lord. This is Jesus giving these comments to Paul to write. You go to many modern continuationist church, you see thousands of people practicing tongue speaking with no turns, more than three people doing it. No interpretation. So my question is, if this is truly the work of the Holy Spirit of God, why is it such a blatant and open violation 
took a scriptural comment. There are two ways this is possible. Either they are blatantly denying the text, which is fine. That's their choice. Or they have a theology that makes them believe what they do is correct. By twisting the text some way, somehow to believe they can still do the very opposite of what the text is teaching and still be okay. There's only two conclusions. Because you can read this text with a 10-year-old, you will clearly understand what the text is saying. You can read the text to a 50-year-old that go to a church like that. He will practice the very opposite of what the text is saying. Right now I'm revoking so many licenses for many churches. Oh <laughs> no, like no, we're 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 saying this in a funny way. Mm. The fact is, this is what we see in modern churches. So for me, it's 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 really hard to really believe in the modern continuationist movement. How can you claim what you're doing is the work of the Holy Spirit of God? But you openly violate his word. This is what blows my mind. Mm. Like I'll be so much more op- so even. I would be so much more to listen to a lot of continuational preachers if there wasn't such blatant violation of his word. Because if you blatantly violate a clear, co- it, it, the text is clear. Mm-hmm. The text says what it says. There's no way around that. Can't change. That, you can't. You, like you read you the text. The text is emphatic. Like bro, you read the text with 12 year old that is not even Christian. They will understand what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. If you can come to three and to four, bro, you don't. You, you don't need. It. Bro, we're laughing, but this is true. It's true. We yeah. don't need a degree in math to come to four. If I'm in a church and I see five people even speaking tongues at the same time, there's already error. Like, there's no way around that. There's already error. Mm. It's it it, there's like we're we're like we're 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 laughing at this, but bro, it's it's true. But it's like this is normalizing the church. Of five, I've seen ten, more than bro, 20, 30. thousand. At one point, there's a place whereby I was like, wait fast, is it me or? And it's it's like, bro, you're gonna say something like that. Someone will say, "Oh, you're being so judgmental." How am I being so judgmental? If this is really what the text is saying, Paul literally said, "If you think you're spiritual or a prophet, you need to acknowledge these things he's writing are a commandment of God. This is this is not an option. This is God's sovereign command. This is not something you do if you feel like. This is God commanding this, and you openly allow your church to value that text. Now this makes sense. The Bible says, "My people are suffering because they do not know." And sometimes they do know and they still violate the text. For me, I feel like most of the people don't know. No, it's true. Some people, bro, and mm. at this, most people don't no, know. No, the fact is, some people, at, at this speak to them, they didn't know. But the fact is, if you do know, yeah. and you're being brought to the knowledge of it, and you still continue doing that, mm-hmm. it cannot be that you were so endured by the Holy Spirit that He leads you to validate plainly His word. I don't believe that. And I'm sorry. Hey. I honestly can in good conscience believe that. Not to be continued. To be to be continued. Continued. But so just I guess just to put a conclusion. Like at the end of the day, this debate absolutely matters. Continuationist versus cessationist. Of course. And the question is not does God does miracle? Because both can't believe God does miracle. Mm-hmm. It's just the continuationist straw man cessationist by saying, Well, you guys don't believe God moves. It's it's false. In fact, they believe the greatest miracle God can do is salvation. If God can save someone, he can divide the scene too. Obviously, they believe in miracle. They pray for miracle. Not in the, not in the same way that continuation is due. And the fact is, when you do something that God is not orchestrating and you claim it to be the work of the Holy Spirit of God, it is a dangerous thing because Paul already said this in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. There will be a time, literally, where those who are preaching Obviously, Satan will, with the, with the lawless men, with, yeah. with the command of the lawless men, Satan will come with all false signs and wonders 
and God will grant delusion mm. to those who refuse to believe the truth. <laughs> Bro, God can really give you a delusion so that you believe your lie. Yeah. If God gives you a delusion so that you believe your lie, that's the greatest punishment you can ever have. You can't change. You're literally at the point of no return. Mm. It's better that God punishes you, disciplines you so that you repent, then he gives you to your sin so that you believe your sin is correct. Mm. And you're promoting your, your sin as being okay and good. Because the fact is, when you violate scripture, you're in sin. There's no way around that. <laughs> There's no way around that. When scripture is being violated and you normalize it, you are in sin. Period. Period. There's no way around that. So, for me, I'm, I'm really, really, really careful to embrace this continuationist movement. I won't call myself a secessionist either. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says that this gift will cease. And regardless of how you interpret the perfect, maybe they did say, I don't know. I'd have to do more in-depth logical studies. Mm. But whether this cease or not, the fact is both can believe God does miracles. The question is, did God empower some people to do those gifts? And if he did empower them, my bro, I should be able to see someone, lay hand on someone of, 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 of someone that come back from war. Lost the leg, and I see the leg growing in front of me. That's this, this is the type of miracle I, I want to see. Someone that had been dead for five, six days, being raised from the dead straight. In fact, my dad passed away five years ago. Someone could have raised him from the dead. It did not happen. No one. Nope. I just leave it as that. And mm. I'm, I'm giving one example. It's like at the end of the day, like they have been. There, there are so much opportunities to prove that. They can you you can do it, but if you fail to but do the it, opportunity comes. Everyone is just quiet. silent. Everyone is like, hey. and let, let me make something clear: psychosomatic healings are not biblical healings. Explain psycho. Psycho what? In a lot of like continuation circle, what they do is psychosomatic healings. So they will go to a service. They will experience some of an emotional high, yeah. And in the moment they feel, let's say, let's say they have some leg, some even pain in their in their thigh. Yeah, maybe it's even a muscle. Maybe it's a muscle pull. You don't know. But then by the end of the service, they feel better, and you know they feel happy. <laughs> no, no, no. We're laughing, but it's true. And then they say, "Oh, God healed me supernaturally." Okay, that's fine. And then in the moment they feel good, but then afterwards, maybe the, the pain is generally gone. Right? Yeah. Sometimes the pain still comes back, but in the moment you feel like you're okay. That's a psychosomatic healing. It's an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Someone who's an handicap, someone who has no arm, no leg, yeah, they cannot fake their their how they feel according to their feeling. Because the fact is, it's either you leave that service with new arms, new legs, with a complete body, walking out of your wheelchair, or you don't. If you leave the service the same. You be honest, I've seen all kinds of like whatever they do on stage miracles, but I've literally never seen like a case where it's like undeniably yeah, like someone whose leg was amputated then exactly. the brings up a new leg. See, this is the type of miracle we need to see. For I've me, never, for me, I've never for me, seen like, that yo, before. The Bible literally lists the working of miracle as a gift. The working of miracle has to mean something. Mm. Working of miracle means you do something that defies the ordinary of the ordinary the nature of things biology does defy all that i want to see someone that grows someone's leg live in front of me and i promise you i believe that person has the gift of working on miracle and if you want if you don't want to call it gift of healing that's fine i'll call it the gift of working on miracle okay but well, i've never even seen it in these juju movies 
I've never. No, but like we're laughing, but it's like these things absolutely. This is a question that must be answered because yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're secessionist or continuationist because the secession the secessionist has nothing to prove. If he doesn't believe anyone has working a miracle, he's not going to prove anything. Mm-hmm. But the continuationist is the one who claims he has certain gift. Okay, if you do it, it like show if, us. If, if you have it, praise the Lord. Just show us all and shut down this debate. Period. If you don't show us, we'll stick to where we are. Simple as that. Because <laughs> for me, the only thing I've ever seen grow something of that is only a lizard. This man said lizard. But I have never seen even like, even all these other things. I hear. Oh, I've been sick. I have this thing. First of all, they even use diseases which you have to go for MRI to prove. And sometimes they have no. To, no like medical documentation to even prove anything and it's like at the end of the day if you want your message to be true and to be believed come with proofs and they say oh we don't need to show proof then how do you how believe do any anything like <laughs> shut down the debate because the fact is everyone who doesn't want to see god move bro don't you think i, I, I want to see the sea being separated in two again i'd love to see that i'd love to see someone so someone take take a rod Hit it on the seat and it opens life. Yeah. We all yeah. want to see that. I want to see the ground being supernaturally open. The, the certain things, bro, we would love, we would love all to see and praise the Lord after it. The question yeah. is, you who claim you to have that ability, that's fine. Nobody, nobody is saying that you don't. Maybe maybe the physicians will tell you that you don't have the gift. He may be right, he may be wrong. Just prove him wrong. Do it in front of him and prove him wrong. And if your excuse is, well, it's not God's will for me to do it now then why are you even having the debate to begin with? Because the physicians also believe God can do miracles according to his own term and time. So that's not really the debate. So people change the question in does God does miracle rather than does God grant certain people the ability to do certain miracles or certain uh, supernatural acts, which are obviously two different questions because everyone believes God does miracle. In fact, salvation is a miracle. Yeah. Every single... Bro, if God wants to come here right now, speak to us speak live on his podcast he will the question the question is not what God can or God cannot do the question is do you who claim to have the gift can you actually prove that you have the gift that's a simple question period and I think that should be the debate just prove it just prove it simple sure. as that because if, if if your story is well there was at some point of time where I see a miracle happen guess what we all see miracle happen I see miracle happen in my personal life too I pray for healing God heal me miraculously on certain things and I can witness it. There, there's some there, there's some times in my life where even I told some of this miracle to 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 my, my, my brother Mark. Yeah. We we believe in miracles. Yeah. The question is, the question is not if we do believe in miracles. The question is, those who claim to have certain ability listed in scripture, can they prove to us? Period. And if you can prove to us, <laughs> prove it. <laughs> but when you ask for proof. You still hear hearing a lot of talks. It should be credible this proof, not this uh, credible proof. Mm. And don't play with God because that's the reason of that South African pastor. What happened? The yeah. guy really died a week later. Whatever the guy did, they, they even after investigation, they even found out the morgue is owned by the pastor. It's really sad. It's really sad. We may just feel pity for the congregation. It is. It is pitiful. Yeah. The fact is, a lot of them are under a spiritual delusion. It's just is honestly and i'll make it very clear people don't say it a lot but i say this being spiritually deceived by false signs and wonder 
is a sign of lack of regeneration. I just keep it as that. Jesus made that point very clear in Matthew 24, 24. Matthew 7, 21. Paul makes that point clear in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. If false signs and wonders are something you love, it's a really dangerous ground to be on. Yeah. The theologian has spoken. Theologian has spoken. Yes. Honestly, it's been... Uh, amazing conversation of course you see one thing i love is to listen and to learn and even in my own personal life i know that there's there's a lot of things that i know within my own life to be true but it's important to listen and to challenge what you think you know you know what i mean like no matter who you are it's not that you should be feeling that you're above listening and engaging in, in in conversation and this is a relevant conversation for today the gifts of the spirit and um what it is especially as as was mentioned before the biblical operations and demonstrations of what is explained and, and showcased in scripture is it applicable today we want to hear from you we haven't asked any questions recently but we want to hear from you as well let us know on Spotify. Do you think, based on the word of God, it's not do you think, but does the word of God show that the gifts of the spirit are relevant and active today? We want to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to JM Squared, part one of this conversation. And you can also see more of this conversation in person Friday, December 15th. Moses, I hope you have the, the address ready, eh? Yeah, that's always right. ready. That's ready with it. it Friday, great. December 15th, <laughs> 6 to 10 p.m., JM Squared, meet and greet. Where will it be, Mo? 136 Wings Road, Unit love 10, it. Woodbridge, Ontario. We love it. For those so, who don't know Woodbridge, it's next to Vaughn. Perfect. So we would love to see you there and... Thank you so much again for listening to this conversation. There will definitely be definitely be a part two. For real, for real. Yeah, there has to be. There literally there has, has to be. be. <laughs> there has to be, man. We're there like five parts to this. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And thank you for rocking with JM Square. Your favorite podcast is your boy Mark. Your boy Moses. And your boy Joyson. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Listening to Jam Squared, Squared, Squared.